Good morning. Welcome this day of Pentecost to Queen Anne Lutheran Church. Whether you are a long-term member or a visitor or somewhere in between, we are absolutely delighted to see you here on what is hopefully becoming uh, a sunny Sunday. We continue our practice of recommending but not requiring masks. We also continue our hybrid practice of inviting you either to remain in your pews during communion or to receive using your, and to receive using your communables, or by coming forward at my direction to receive at the foot of the chancel here uh, after, uh, uh, after the words of institution. As always, we invite you at this time as a gift to yourself and to your neighbor to silence your phones. And once again, welcome to this worship service. Your task per my homework assignment last week was to hope beyond hope, to see beyond what's possible by trusting God, who brings about new possibilities in ways we might never expect. Today, on Pentecost, we celebrate not just the hope, but the help of God, who gives us the advocate, the one who now accompanies us in the absence of Jesus' physical presence. Poured out in wind and fire, water, wine, and bread, the Holy Spirit dwells within us and among us, especially when we love and care for one another. We give thanks that God speaks to each of us, no matter our origins, language, or life path. Filled with the spirit of truth, we go out from worship to proclaim the saving power of Christ's love and the freedom of God's grace to all the world. We are grateful this morning to welcome Rob Stewart, the executive director of New Horizons, as our guest preacher. We are also grateful he served as our forum speaker earlier this morning. We begin then, as on all festival Sundays, with a brief order of confession and forgiveness as printed in your worship bulletin. Please rise as you are able. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Gracious God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If, citing words from the first epistle of John, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Most merciful God, we confess that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will 
and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. God, in his mercy, has given his son to die and be raised for us. For his sake, forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gathering hymn, O Day Full of Grace, is number 627. Please observe the instructions as printed in your bulletin and remain standing as able.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. God, our creator, the resurrection of your son offers life to all the peoples of earth. Kindle within us the fire of your love, empowering our lives for service and our tongues for praise through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. The first reading, Pentecost Sunday. The builders of the Tower of Babel tried to make a name for themselves by building their tower to the heavens. God scatters them, confusing their language so that they cannot understand one another. The miracle at Pentecost is a reversal of sorts, drawing many people with many languages together into the new people of God. A reading from the book of Genesis. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and butamen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which mortals had built. And the Lord said, look, they are one people. They have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, it was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Word of God, word of life.
The second reading, before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, among signs of fire, wind, and a variety of languages, the people were amazed and astonished at Jesus' promise coming true. A reading from the book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, the apostles were all together in one place. And suddenly, from the heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, the visit and the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs, in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But the others sneered and said, they are filled with the new wine. But Peter, standing with the 11, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, it will be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters so prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even upon my slaves, both men and women. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood. Before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Word of God, word of life. Please rise for the reading of the gospel. Thank you. 
The Gospel according to John. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and in fact will do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not let them be afraid. The gospel of the Lord. You can uh, be seated. Good morning. So I am Rob Stewart. I'm the executive director of New Horizons, and I'm really, really grateful to be here. I don't uh, get out and do this much. I used to be a pastor years and years ago, um, not anymore. Now I, I work with youth and young adults, so if you're unaware, New Horizons is an organization that serves youth and young adults that are experiencing homelessness here in Seattle and in, in King County, and uh, y'all are such good partners to us. Uh, even if you don't know, you are. Um, you have done a ton for us. Drives, uh, you've delivered more towels to us than we've gotten in probably the last seven years. So uh, that was an amazing gift. And you partner with us in a lot of ways. And so it feels good to be here, to be doing this with you. Uh, I have a confession that I have, you know, right around four hours of sleep. I have a newborn, and uh, she is objectively the cutest newborn on the, on the planet. So that helps. And she's way better than her sister, who was a nightmare when she was little. Um, so she's good, and that, that also helps. But it's uh, good to be with you and good to be able to share. When I read the passages for today, my immediate reaction was, ah, oh, gosh, I don't like those. I just don't like those. I have to con- confess that I'm, I'm not from a liturgical tradition, and when I heard that it was Pentecost, I had lots of baggage from my sort of pseudo-charismatic upbringing, and I had lots of thoughts. And then I read Tower of Babel, and I thought, gosh, I really don't like that story either uh, in a lot of ways. So I'm excited to be able to talk about them with you and sort of share a little bit how I worked through some of that. 
Just so you know, I grew up in a Western Protestant tradition, and a lot of my life, we just ignored the Old Testament in, in general. We just sort of ignored it. We told stories from it, made lots of great material for like flannel graphs and, and Sunday school. And, and so we didn't totally ignore it, but we didn't deal with it or interact with it much. It just felt distant in and of itself. And the version of God in the Old Testament was entirely distant. That was like a much more macro level God in many ways, was making the world, was then flooding the world, was building nations and languages and putting leaders in place and then taking leaders out of place. It just felt like much more macro level stuff. And in that way, it was just really distant especially in contrast to my Western Protestant understanding of God in the New Testament, who is just so personal, so concerned with the person and the individual, was healing people one at a time, was doing all of these miraculous things. And the work on the cross, that was seen as personal. We, yes, it was for lots of people, but for me, and that God wanted to live in my heart and guide my steps and worried about my individual holiness. That God was hopeful that someday I would be evacuated and be with him in heaven forever. And I was told over and over again, you know, if you were the only one, God would have come down himself in the form of Jesus and died just for you, even if you were the only one, which is terrible theology. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's what we know. It's personal. That God is personal. And so what we had were these two sort of contrasting views. We had this macro level, pseudo distant God that was really oriented to like national interests. And then over here you had this very personal God who was interested in me. And it was hard to put these two things together. It's not that we thought they were two gods. They just kind of didn't seem like the same version of the same God. It's hard to mix it. It's hard to make a cohesive understanding of God. And so eventually we just stopped trying. We just said, we're going to focus on the New Testament. We're going to put most of our energy there. And what happened is we developed a great version of a personally oriented God that was very, very, very engaged in me and my spirituality and my soul and in my heart. And we got really good at commodifying that and selling it like crazy. We did a good job at that. But we also created a God that was slightly disinterested in the world as a whole. He wasn't so interested in humanity and the world and what happened to the globe. It was more of like you, more you. And so one of the things I love about the passages that we are reading today and that we read is that it forces you to attempt to try to marry these two disparate versions of God. 
It's forcing you to say, you, you got to look at both of them at the same time and try to figure out how to put them together. You've got the God in Babel, which is a really, really strange story. And you've got the God in Pentecost, which is a really, really strange story. And you got to figure out how to put them together. It's essentially saying you do not understand Pentecost until you understand the story of Babel. You just don't. You just don't get it. The Tower of Babel, I'm not sure what you make of that story. I don't know. You may read that and be like, that is strange. God looked down and people were building certain types of special bricks just to build really high buildings to get up to heaven, which is in the sky still. That was sort of a main line of thinking at that point. They're building this tower, they're doing this, and God gets a little bit intimidated and a little bit concerned, and so he breaks the tower and scatters them and gives them different languages. It's a weird story. No matter what you make of it, whether you think it is real or a myth, or it's just some hyperbolic thing, or if it's some historical, cultural narrative that lives in the, the biblical story, I don't know what you make of it. And frankly, I don't know if it really matters. I don't know if it matters. Because at the heart of the story is really a commentary on the problem of humanity. It is saying, you know what's wrong with us? We are constantly trying to hoard power. We constantly want to be masters of our own domain. We want to control things. We want to be God of this planet. That's what we really want. We are driven by self-interest. And as we build those things, those things have a tendency to divide us in powerful ways. Not just by language, but we put up walls and borders and don't want different people inside of these borders. It is about how we are driven by a painful self-interest as people. And it is that self-interest which divides us and shatters us as a whole. I don't know what you make of the story of Pentecost. Growing up in a charismatic environment, we were told, listen, it just might happen that you'll get a divided flaming tongue here in service today. You might have to see that. And you better be filled with the Spirit talking in tongues or you're not saved. It's a personal story. This is for you. You got to get that God and that Spirit inside of you to do this. I don't know what you make of it. It's a weird story. It's a strange, strange story. I don't know if you think it's real. I don't know if you think it's a myth. I don't, think if, I don't know if you think it's a cultural narrative that made its way into the Bible. I don't know. I'm not sure it matters, actually. The heart of the Pentecost story is really about the descending of the Spirit coming to earth and bringing disparate people together and breaking down Barriers and borders, creating radical unity where there is massive disunity. It is saying, at the heart of what it means to be human, we are divided by self-interest and gain and clawing for my own. We have 
built systems that have divided us. We have done these things. But under the auspice of the Spirit, you are being brought together in radical unity. And then you are called as people who have seen and tasted the Spirit to go and to prophesy. To like tell the world that we ought to be coming together under this one God. Laying down our arms to be radically and powerfully unified. To be fully reconciled with each other and with God. The story of Pentecost is a story about resetting all of the painful ways in which we have divided ourselves. It's about this incredible proclamation that when the Spirit resides, there is unity and reconciliation. There is the coming together in ways that are confounding and challenging and without boundary. I mean, that's the story of Pentecost. I mean, you just don't understand Pentecost until you really understand that where the Spirit is, the Spirit drives and pulls unity, pulls reconciliation together. And we are called to participate as radical signposts to a world that does not believe that it can happen. I mean, you don't have to think very hard to think that we are a people, especially in the U.S. right now, that actually believe that reconciliation really isn't possible. We are divided in profound ways. Profound ways. We don't meaningfully believe that reconciliation and radical unity is possible. But as Christians driven by the Spirit, we are supposed to be the ones prophesying that it is actually still possible. It can still happen. We're supposed to be finding examples of it and celebrating it and showing it and demonstrating it. When the people of God gather, we ought to be a place that people look and say, okay, uh, Everywhere else, it's not working. But here, there is some form of radical unity that is happening. There's a type of laying down of arms and reconciliation that we don't see anywhere else. I mean, this is the work of the Spirit. We're supposed to be living within the context of Pentecost in that way. A few thoughts. Some people think that because I work in human services that we are at the cutting edge of race equity and inclusion. Um, we're not. We're not. It's really hard work. And we're wildly divided. But I've been in this work for 20 years and I've learned some of the things that, that I think make it at least more possible for it to happen. First one is you cannot be a person that is driving radical reconciliation and remain uncommitted to change. I mean, personal change. 
It's impossible. These things don't work together. You can't say, yes, I want to be this wildly inclusive place as long as people generally assimilate to what it is that I already believe. It doesn't happen. It works on both sides, conservative and liberal. It does. You can't go into the work of radical unity and radical reconciliation and expect that you're going to be able to stay the same. Core beliefs, how you see the world, how you see this group of people, how you understand this political issue. It's a fact. You must change. The second point that, that I have is that you gotta be pursuant of these opportunities. I mean, I'm telling you right now, Radical reconciliation and radical unity is not going to come to your door and ask you to sign up for a membership. It's just not going to happen. I mean, if you are not looking for opportunities to enter into that game and into those conversations and into those relationships to pursue and build those kinds of things, it's just not going to happen. You're just not going to be a part of it. It's almost as if our feet are too heavy in some ways. We're so hard to move that just because unity is happening around us doesn't mean that we're taking part in it. We gotta get up, we gotta move, we gotta be pursuant to these opportunities. And the last thing is this, that you can't wait for the spirit to guide you to do the good work. I actually think that the good work and the participation in the good work is what often begets the spirit. In the... I look back at, at my life, and I, I took a job in, in human services working with youth in Hollywood, not because I really wanted to do something that was oriented to great justice work. It was like I couldn't find a job, and my friend ran the place. And he was like, you want a job? I'm like, all right, I'll do it. And you know what's funny? I was in. And it changed me. The people changed me. The work changed me. The, the, the way in which I saw the world started to change, the way I started to see people who were living in, in chronic poverty and chronic homelessness, the, the diversity of that population, it just started to change how I saw the world. And frankly, it changed everything that I understood about theology. It just did. I started to see and believe different things about what the Spirit is actually possible of doing. So those are my three really simple points from my hyper-evangelical background. I mean, we are called to be radical agents of reconciliation, to be the signpost that is pointing towards something different, to restore hope in a world that has lost it related to radical unity and radical reconciliation. And it's going to cost us something to be those kinds of people. We're going to have to be committed to fundamentally change. It's just true. We're going to have to pursue those things with an enormous ferocity or they just won't happen. We've got to try stuff. Because we believe that in the trying, it opens us up to be more changed.
So that's my Pentecost reflection for today. On Festival Sundays, we switch from the Apostles to the Nicene Creed. Please join me in confessing the words of our faith in the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and he came truly human. For our sake he was crucified, and just Pilate, suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He is centered into heaven 
and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets, we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life to the world to come. Amen. For the prayers of the church, we invite you to be seated or to kneel, whichever your preference. Set free from captivity to sin and death, we pray to God of resurrection for the church, people in need, and all of creation. Holy living one, open our locked doors and by your Spirit drive us out into the world proclaiming your reconciling love. Direct our words and actions, trusting your Spirit to dwell within and among us. Lord, in your mercy. Feed and care for creatures that remain hidden to us, yet contribute to the vibrancy of your creation. Inspire us to interact with your ongoing creation from a place of wonder, awe, and reverence. Lord, in your mercy. Send your spirit to places where language is a barrier to justice and mercy for those who seek it. Bless the work of translators, interpreters, and teachers. Promote understanding for the sake of those longing for true freedom and peace. Lord, in your mercy. Comfort all who live in fear and any who are suffering or experiencing pain. Remind them that your spirit has made them your children and that they are never far from you. Lord, in your mercy. Guide all bishops, pastors, missionaries, and other ministers of the gospel. Foster our relationships with partner synods and other congregations and nonprofits including New Horizons, that our visions and actions can help heal and promote the well-being of others. Lord, in your mercy. For whom or what else do the people of God pray? God of loving kindness, we pray for every person gathered here that you be with them as needed, that you accompany them through their struggles and uh, as well as their joys. We pray especially for members of the congregation and friends, including Scott, 
Donna, Ruth, Richard, Melissa, Dennis, Georgina, Annie, the Unseths, family of Cameron, Jessica, and parents, John's friend, for Ken, Christine, David, Awatosh, Mulugeta, John's son-in-law, Jim, Carol Ann's colleague, Peter, Jan, Ben, Jean, Hildy, Lee, Mary, Barb, Carol, Denny, and for the family of Jim Henning, former member of Queen Anne Lutheran Church, who passed away in mid-May. May he rest in peace. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Gather your people across regions, nations, and lands. Root our common life in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And by your Spirit, bind us together with all the saints who have gone before us. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. In your mercy, O God, respond to these prayers and renew us by your life-giving Spirit. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, amen. amen. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Please rise as you are able for the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection, open to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks 
broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Lord, inspire us to work toward your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. All baptized Christians are welcome to receive communion. In this place of grace, you are invited to this table of grace. We have two options. In a moment, I'll invite those of you who wish to partake in your pew using a communable to receive at my direction. After that, we will invite you to meet us at the steps of the chancel. Um, there is a sanitizing station. We ask you to use that before uh, you come up to communion. Once you've received communion, we practice intinction, so we will have wine available as well as grape juice. Please, once finished, move to my left and return to your seats down uh, this aisleway. Christ is among us. Receive the bread of life. This is his body broken for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you.
Welcome once more, one and all, to Queen Anne Lutheran Church, proclaiming the love of God in Christ for every person. I wanted to highlight just a few announcements. Uh, we have actually a lot happening, uh, as, uh, as you'll hear in the next couple of minutes. But before we get to that, I wanted to say thank you to Joan, my assisting minister, to Grace, our acolyte, who not only took communion for the first time earlier in, within this past year, but is now helping distribute as well. So we're grateful for your service and, of course, for all the volunteers who make this service possible, whether it's through the music of the choir or through our ushers and counters, we are all grateful for the work that you do. And we certainly encourage uh, others to join us as we continue our services. We uh, were delighted to have uh, Rob Stewart as our guest uh, preacher this morning and forum speaker. Uh, one of the things that I loved about Pentecost is that it brings together the work of, uh, of the Spirit in different ways. Rob's message was in many ways about how we have to, as I heard you, uh, be active in our pursuit of inclusivity. And one of the things that we'll be hearing about in a moment is uh, just how we're trying to do that here at Queen Anne Lutheran Church. So the Spirit brought you and our mission together today, Paul, uh, Rob, and we're grateful for that. Also, I think you are a wonderful preacher, so thank you for sharing your gift with us. Uh, in a moment, I'll be inviting forward Jenny Porter, who will speak with us regarding the Reconciling in Christ vote. This is the start of a two-week voting window. This is an opportunity for us to step beyond where we already are, but in, in, in terms of who we already are. So our mission uh, and our community is about uh, all being one in Christ and uh, proclaiming the love of God in Christ to every person. And this vote, I believe, is going to help us affirm that. Yesterday when I was at Synod Assembly, I was speaking with uh, someone you may know, Dan Squires, and uh, we were talking about why uh, Queen Anne Lutheran uh, hasn't been reconciled in Christ up to this point. And he said, and I appreciated this, he said, well, we've always assumed that that's who we are. That's already who we are. And I think that's true. The only, uh, the only challenge here is that we need to find another way or more ways to let the world know who we are. And that's what reconciling in Christ, uh, I hope, uh, will do. Uh, okay. Uh, we also uh, have another guest with us today, that is Annalise from Ridwell. Is Annalise here? Okay, would you please come forward? We wanted to hear you. Oh, you don't want to come forward. You look surprised. Okay. Uh, Annalise is joining us from Ridwell, and I would, um, uh, she'll have a table outside in the narthex for, for you afterward, but there's so much happening here, and it's so exciting. I wanted you to hear it directly from the source, please. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me here today. It's a pleasure to be here, and I look forward to chatting with you individually out in front. Um, I'm sure most of you, or some of you may know Ryan, our founder, Ryan Metzger, and his family. Um, they introduced me to Lisa Kerr, who we got to talking and are doing a collection for one of your groups of yarn, which is actually going on right now, um, to get the, the yarn out of people's houses that don't want it around anymore and into the hands of your group that uh, knits blank hats and makes quilts and does some great work for people that are currently experience, experiencing being unhoused. 
A um, little bit nervous, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so some of you may or may not know what Ridwell does. We're a small uh, doorstep reuse and recycling service. Uh, we come to people's homes every two weeks. I'm sure you've seen the bin out in front of the church here. We come to the church every two weeks uh, to pick up our four core categories, which are plastic film, threads, which can be anything from used clothing to rags, as long as it's not wet, moldy, or has, have hazardous materials on it, and batteries and light bulbs. Those are our, our featured category, or our, our core categories. And then we have a fifth category that changes every two weeks. That's our featured category. And I noticed in your um, newsletter today that it talked about some of the upcoming items we have, and I don't know how you inform or get informed about what to bring into the church every two weeks if that goes out in your newsletter or um, if that's announced or okay. So that there's an opportunity there to bring in items, and, and as it said in your newsletter, we're going to be doing pill bottles coming up. We're going to be doing plastic caps, metal metal lids, um, old keys that everyone has sitting around in their junk drawer is going to be a featured item that we do. And what we do with these items is we recycle them responsibly, or if they're items that can be reused in some way, we get those into the hands of organizations that can reuse those materials. So a way to declutter, recycle responsibly, and just take a little bit better care of our planet. Yeah. One of the things that's really important to note about Ridwell is that they recycle items the city does not take. And so when this started, I started simply recycling uh, or uh, bagging plastic film. That can be everything from an Amazon package without the cardboard. Uh, it can be uh, um, food wrapping as long as there isn't food residue on the film. And I have filled up bag after bag after bag. And I, th I think to myself, my gosh, if I'm doing that as the uh, single occupant of one household, imagine together uh, how much we could be saving uh, each week as a way of caring for God's creation. So I, uh, I, I encourage you to speak more with uh, our guest uh, today after the service. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for all of you who have already begun participating in this program. Next, I'd like to invite forward Jenny Porter, who's going to speak with us on the topic of RIC. Good morning, everyone. Thanks, Pastor. And thank you, Annalise. We are Ridwell customers. And in addition to all the services that Ridwell offers, I think what it's done most for us is increased our awareness of all the waste that we're creating, the plastic film, et cetera. But I digress. Um, welcome. It's RIC voting day today, June 5th. And I am so thankful to each of you for being part of this discernment process, which we've been going through for about a year and a half, starting during COVID. And as Pastor Dan mentioned, um, the RIC, or Reconciling in Christ, uh, designation is really an opportunity for Queen Anne Lutheran Church to become more of who we are, to explicitly welcome our LGBTQIA and BIPOC siblings into our community. So, um, and the four ways that we do that through the Reconciling Works organization is have a welcome statement that says just what I did, um, which Queen Anne has had for many, many years. So there won't be any change to that. 
The second is to be open to calling a rostered leader who identifies as LGBTQIA or BIPOC. The third is to gladly celebrate and welcome marriages, blessings into our sanctuary of LGBTQIA And finally, to make a financial contribution on an annual basis to Reconciling Works, which has been doing um, the work of educating Lutheran congregations and other um, uh, Protestant congregations on this welcoming work. And the council, we have, uh, uh, council's approved a $250 uh, donation this year for 2022, and that's something that we'll continue to take a look at um, regarding the amount, but that'll be an annual benevolence that um, we'll send to Reconciling Works. So those are the four um, criteria to be a designated RIC church. I will tell you that in the Pacific Northwest, in Seattle in particular, we're in very good company. Many of our Lutheran um, congregations in the area are RIC, so we just get to join an incredible club. Um, So today is the vote. It's a two-week vote um, so that our uh, friends here today can go ahead and do that in the narthex by um, just a yellow paper ballot. Or in uh, your email box, Barb set up um, an email to go out this morning, which some of you may have seen already. You can vote anonymously via email. That just comes um, into a Google document. It's safe, secure, and totally anonymous. Um, So I really encourage you to vote in either of those two ways. And um, for those who may not um, be able to come to church or don't use email, we're sending out paper ballots in the mail. So if there's anybody on your mind who you know would like to have a vote, um, please let me know or Barb know and we'll make sure that's taken care of. This is a long announcement and so I really appreciate your attention. Um, I will be available after. I'll be standing by that box trying to get your votes. And if you have any questions, please ask me. And I think the best thing about this, the vote is just the beginning. Um, The next, what, months, years, um, we'll be continuing to do this work of welcome. So thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Jenny, and also Kirsty, in helping coordinate uh, this process. Uh, We are very grateful. Just a few last uh, items. Uh, have you ever been to Compline at, uh, at St. Mark's? I've been once, uh, and uh, I loved it, and I can't believe why I don't keep going. It's, uh, it's at night. It's a beautiful service. The church uh, typically fill, fills. One of our choir members, of course, Joel, is a member of the Compline Choir. And so we would like to go visit Joel and be part of the, the service, and we'd like to invite you. Uh, that's on June 12th. The service begins at 9.30 p.m. It's recommended to carpool and arrive a bit early, and of course, masks there are required. So please take note of that in the, uh, in the announcements, and hopefully we will see you there. Uh, Finally, there's an opportunity for a special tour. We had Rob Stewart with us today uh, um, from New Horizons. We'll be touring New Horizons on June 21st. Please join me, Jim Margard, and others for that event. Uh, That's at 4 p.m. on Tuesday the 21st. I think that's everything. Um, Thank you. One last uh, thing. Thank you to... um, Uh, All of you who submitted your opinions regarding how we might make use of the triangle space, 
I was the one who suggested there should be a parking space for the pastor. <laughs> I was also the one who, who put a like next to it. Um, and uh, I realized rather quickly that I was the only one in support of that idea. But uh, seriously, we do, uh, we do appreciate your feedback uh, moving forward. We want this to be something the congregation does together, not just something that uh, one or two of us want, as in my case. So we're grateful for that. Please rise now as you are able for the blessing. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. Our sending hymn, God of Tempest, God of Whirlwind, is number 400 in the ELW. Thank you. 